0: Welcome to today's show of the Laundromat Millionaire. We have a new guest today. Yes, you don't have to listen to Dave and I again. You actually get a break.
1: (laughs) I know y'all listen like to listen to me talk, but sorry guys, you're gonna have to listen to our guest today. His name is Matt Hilton. And he's a rock star laundromat owner that I've had actually the privilege of coaching for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And he attended, Carla, our most recent pickup and delivery workshop. This guy is doing some things out in Kansas City, Missouri. And we are excited to bring his story to you. It's unique. He's actually a second-generation laundromat Mm -hmm. owner. But interestingly enough, he didn't take over for his dad. His dad actually is still running his own businesses, and he started his own enterprise on his own without any help. I mean, I'm sure he had some guidance from his dad. And he also works a full-time job as a full, as a commercial HVAC technician. So he's very hands-on, and part of the reason we want to share his journey is he's a multi-store owner. Um, he is a second-generation owner, but a little bit different flavor of that And he's very hands-on. He fixes his own equipment. He does a lot of his own repairs and installations and things like that. So we thought that our audience would get some, some good information out of this. So welcome to another episode. Let's jump right into it.
0: Okay, before we get started on today's episode, we do wanna take a moment to remind you of a very cool opportunity that we just started on our website. If you haven't heard about it yet, it's the Laundromat Millionaire Community. It is a membership where you can gain access to everything that we have about laundromats. So, products that we've created, um, forms you can download, um, all kinds of stuff that we use in our laundromat that you can use in yours. Um, Even a searchable video library in case you're researching the industry or certain aspects of the industry.
1: Yeah, you get discounts You get the ability to chat with me in a more intimate setting on very specific topics. You get distributor and product reviews from users in the community. It's a behind-the-scenes, intimate community that I'm very involved in, we're very passionate about, and we'd love for you to check it out on our website. Go to laundromatmillionaire.com, click on the Community tab, and see what it's all about.
0: So Matt, welcome to the show. We're so excited to see you again.
1: Thanks. Good to see you guys too. Yeah, absolutely, man. We appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know uh, between your your and we'll get into it in a minute, but I know between your full time job and these businesses and these businesses <laughs> and being a dad and and all I these don't different know how things, you do it. You, you must not sleep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> are you like one of those people that needs like two hours of sleep or something? Uh,
1: About five
2: hours,
0: six hours is usually what I like to get. I'm so jealous. I like eight or nine. (laughs) Never been like that in my whole life.
1: (laughs) In fact, I think when you were at the pickup and delivery workshop, I was talking to your dad uh, and you had stepped away for something. And he was like, yeah, he's always just been this high energy kid and it's carried over. He said, he said, when you were younger, they always wondered if it would carry it to adulthood. He was like, cause I'm not a high energy guy. He was like, but he just goes and gets up early in the morning and does his workouts and all this stuff. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. Well, at least yeah, you he channel he's not good. high
2: energy, but he is too. He, he doesn't slow down.
1: So. Doesn't slow down. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It was awesome getting to know you guys for sure. Well, listen, we want to jump right into this episode and what we ask our, uh, our guests to do, if you don't mind is just start by You've watched the show, I know, so you know where we're going with this. We ask you to just kind of take us back to your childhood. And just real briefly, we don't need to spend a lot of time there. Tell us what it was like as a little kid growing up in your home and those, what we call those formative years. Obviously, your dad was in the industry when you were younger and how that kind of formed how you are today. And then, of course, we're going to jump right into your story and, and some of the powerhouse moves you're making today in your market. So can you start us out there?
2: Sure, sure. So um, I'm the oldest of two. Uh, My parents got married back uh, not too long after high school, high school sweethearts. And then say maybe about four or five years old, my dad bought his first rental house. And so I grew up with him going to the rental houses and fixing stuff and, you know, whatever project. He was a very Mm hands-on person, still is a very hands-on person. And then let's see in... About 30 years ago, so I was probably closer to about 10 or 12 years old. My dad bought his first laundromat, um, an unattended store, and then um, it kind of grew from there. He, he ended, up, ended up buying the one across the street about a year later, and then mm-hmm. it just kind of nice. snowballed after that. Um, and now he's got, he's got four. And um, it, it, I mean, so I kind of grew up with it in high school, so to speak, you mm-hmm. know, and, okay. and like early eighth grade, stuff like that.
1: And, and he's then that's in the how same I market can. as you, right? You're in Kansas City?
2: In all of Kansas City, yeah. Yeah. Okay. His, uh, his are mostly north of the river. And then mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> mine, two um, are down uh, central in the Midtown, Kansas City
3: mm-hmm.
2: area. And then I just built a new store uh, north of the river um, in Gladstone. So, okay.
0: Yeah. And what are your stores called? Just to give you some advertising,
2: uh, Mega Wash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we got Mega the Mega Wash stores here in Kansas City. So. Mega Wash,
0: nice. fantastic, fantastic. So, was working in your dad's laundromat kind of your first job? Was that like your high school job, or did you Not do something really. else? Really? No? Uh,
2: I mean, it, it was, it wasn't work. It wasn't, it wasn't paid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Free labor. Yeah. You're Free labor. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, just helping stuff like that here and there. Yeah. But uh, I ended up getting a couple other jobs, you know, through high school and stuff like that and doing other things. Um, but I did help out when I could, you know, I did a lot of hands-on stuff with him. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So, so growing up, seeing him work in laundromats, did it make you want to get in laundromats or were you like, Oh, I'll never do that. <laughs>
2: Um, I think it, it gave me an appreciation for the hard work and, um, the uh, dedication and time it takes to actually do some of this stuff. Um, the technical side of it, I like, um, I'm an HVAC guy by trade. So I don't go in the HVAC field with my commercial heating, cooling stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, so washers and dryers and stuff like that aren't too unfamiliar or too hard to grasp. Mm-hmm. Uh, repairs and, and things like that, but uh, he, uh, he he showed me the value of uh, working hard and, and being dedicated to something, and then having something of your own, the entrepreneurial side mm-hmm. of it, very well. So that was nice, um, <clears throat> and I've learned a lot from him as a resource when we started our laundry match in 2016. So prior
0: to that, you did full time HVAC. Is that was yeah, that your first yeah, craft?
2: Yeah. 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 That's pretty much it. Um, I do have a college degree, but yeah, I, I ended up uh, in the HVAC industry. Um, union pipe that are working on you know big big equipment uh-huh, uh, yeah. big buildings and stuff like that hospitals and schools how did
1: you end up doing that i'm always curious because i know you're a very hands-on person and when it comes to your laundromats we want to get into that because i know i talk about the fact i'm not i was yeah. at one point i'm not anymore but there's a lot of value that i think our audience can get from people like you that are doing things boots on the ground um mm-hmm. so we want to get into that too but yeah how did you get started into hvac um
2: so i was actually in school
1: for. Uh, dental school.
2: Uh, So I have a degree in biology, minor in chemistry. And um, while I was doing that and working in the labs, my summertime job was helping a residential heating cooling guy out. Hmm. And it was such a contrast uh, of somebody's house and helping them out being the hero versus somebody coming into the lab and you have to extract some teeth and them hating (laughs) you. Get that. I also found out that uh, I wasn't very good at having to do the same repetitive things over again and mm. being stuck in uh, a chair, so to speak. Yeah, uh, that, that didn't really seem to fit me very well at that time. Um, still doesn't today. But yeah, so I ended up uh, doing residential for a little bit. And then one of my best friends, his dad ran a uh, union pipefitter shop here in Kansas City doing service work. And he offered me um, to get into the union apprenticeship. So I spent five years going through the apprenticeship nice. and did that. Yeah, Great That's
0: opportunity. Awesome. I wish yeah. more kids would get into that. There's so many, there's such a big demand for those trained labor jobs, you know, like yeah. the craftsman type jobs.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. It's, so a, I, it's a skill set, you know. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, much needed one for sure. People, oh, it seems like, it seems like our society, not to get on a soapbox, seems like our society spent so many years degrading the trades, mm-hmm. which that's where I'm from too, um, yeah. that, that it talked all these, you know, generations into believing it's not sexy and it's not something mm-hmm. they want to do. And now we have this huge shortage. And mm-hmm. I don't know that we're now realizing how valuable it is. I think we always knew that. But when there's a shortage, well, it's good for you, right? Supply and demand. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, Matt gets a lot of lots of raises. That's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. There's nothing better than free. Ever heard that before? Well, it's not true. You know what your laundromat customers like even better than free? It's fast. That's right. They want to save time more than they want to save money in most cases. They want to get in and out of your laundromat as fast as possible, and they'll pay more for that experience. We're proof of that here in Cincinnati. That's why we added HM company drain troughs into our newest store in Cincinnati. While they may never know why, your customers will love that your washers all drain better and faster than with old school drain pipes. As if that wasn't enough, every HM drain trough is made in the USA So they ship in only a few weeks and everyone is custom made just for you and your project. If you wanna provide your customers with a top of the industry experience, in your store, then contact your distributor to order your HM Company Drain Trough today or visit drain troughs.com. All right, so listen, we wanna jump into your laundromat story because I know you have a very cool journey. Um, you know, getting started in the industry as a young kid and seeing how your dad ran the businesses, how did that form you deciding to get into the industry? Like, did he bring you the first store and say, hey, I know of this location or how, what What made you get into the industry? How'd you get that first store? So,
2: um... I started rental houses pretty early on, um, during, during my apprenticeship, actually, um, mm-hmm. doing HVAC stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I realized the value for some kind of income that wasn't reliant on my hourly work. Mm-hmm. And so I was doing rental houses and fixing them up, flipping them, whatever, you know, so forth. Um, doing those. And in 2016, uh, my dad and I were, we, we have Sunday dinner every every week. Uh, we, we get together for dinner and all of us as a family just sit down and eat and talk and hang out and, and catch up. Mm-hmm. And what uh, ended up happening is he was talking about the service tech that, that he used uh, for his stores,
3: mm-hmm.
2: found a store that was closed down and the landlord's trying to rent it out. It was a complete zombie map. It's shut down for six, nine months, something like that. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of back and forth about, I'm not going to do it. Am I not going to do it? Am I going to do it? And my dad was telling him, you should do it. You should do it. You should do it. He just couldn't pull the trigger. And I Mm -hmm. told my dad after talking to him, like, well, if he doesn't want to pull the trigger, it's something I'm interested in, but I don't want to step on anybody's toes. Mm -hmm. And so one thing led to another and he decided not to do it. So then I went in and did it. So I took over a space that was (laughs) basically a zombie mat for six, nine months, 10 months, whatever it was, completely closed down. We went in, fixed what we could, and then slowly started replacing equipment to make it a store. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And it's uh, that was the first store in 2016, just a small 2,000-square-foot unattended laundromat. Mm -hmm. Um, Then within a year, about 30 blocks away, there was a 6,000 square foot store that used to be a laundromat that it got foreclosed on. Mm-hmm. The building was up for sale. And so he actually brought that to me and goes, hey, I know this building up the streets from where you're already going.
3: Mm-hmm. Is
2: it something you might be interested in? So we talked about it we ended up negotiating it, talked to the bank and ended up buying a building. Nice. So then we started. Um, basically a shell, but it had the basic infrastructure, uh, the water lines, the electrical was there, um, the gas lines, all that other stuff was there. Uh, but it was, it was rough inside. It was, it was (laughs) rough.
1: How old was the store when it, when it went under? That store has been
2: a store for about 35 years, maybe a little bit longer. And it was, it wasn't managed very well. Um, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, uh, probably a poor business decision after another, you know, kind of snowballed into a few things and the guy had to close up. Um, So it went in very cautiously, not under, not really sure how much it could do, but, you know, knowing that we had to make a building payment and everything like that Mm -hmm. and slowly worked it up and and have built it up to something fairly decent. So that was, uh, that was the first mega wash store. And then um, about a year ago, I found another store that was uh, closing up and went in and negotiated a lease for a store that was closing up and uh, <laughs> did a complete rehab there and that's our our second uh, wash location so,
1: you have two stores that are wash, and then you have your original store that's that's not under that name is that correct, correct. yeah it, it's uh it was called rainbow
2: laundry and i just mm-hmm. left it the same name i didn't want any confusion or anything like that and really hadn't come up with any branding ideas until okay. we actually owned a building with a name on it so to speak right
0: Okay. How close are your three locations to each other?
2: Um, the two, the Rainbow and the Mega Wash downtown, are within 30 blocks on the same street almost. Thanks. Oh, okay. um, the other store is about 11 or 12 miles north on the other side of the river. Uh, okay.
0: This. How long does it take you to travel between them then?
2: about 25 30 minutes oh
0: that's not little. bad yeah
2: yeah it's, yeah it's doable it's
1: nothing nothing crazy
0: um, yeah it's about like do. ours yeah, so, yeah
1: yeah yeah so the first two stores they don't really compete with each other or they do but they complement each other
2: um i would say they complement each other but it's okay. it's different um it's similar equipment so that's kind of mm-hmm. nice um mm-hmm. and then um, you know touch screen hips machines and stuff like that mm-hmm. um but uh it's different clientele. Even being thirty blocks away is, is funny mm-hmm. because you get different groups of people in pockets, and mm-hmm. you know they only go so far for a laundromat. It seems like, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I've thought about rebranding that store as well. You know, trying to cohesively name everything.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
2: but uh, at this point in time, it's not uh, the main focus.
0: Yeah. Well, you're building a brand, so it might be good to you know, you're you have a nice brand, so share yeah. it with the other store. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, Oh, especially when it's 30 blocks away.
0: So what are your stores like as far as hours unattended or attended? Do you do drop off? So, do you do delivery? All that stuff. Yeah. Um,
2: the the one rainbow store is unattended uh-huh. uh, just to have people come in and clean uh, uh-huh. throughout. And then uh, it's 6am to 11pm is kind of our uh-huh. schedule at all the stores. Uh-huh. Uh, <clears throat> I don't have any 24 hour stores. The, um, Pickup and delivery is something I'm trying to grow right now. I'm running it out of the 6,000 square foot store downtown. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got some commercial accounts and a few residential stuff, but um, it's it's slowly picking up steam. Nice. Um, so that's the next big push is probably the pickup and delivery side of everything for us.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, do you do drop off already?
2: Mm-hmm. We, we okay. currently do it at uh, the other Megawash locations. Yeah.
1: Okay. So those two stores are slightly or drastically different. I don't know. Maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. Um, business model: unattended versus attended. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know what I, What we call sort of full service laundry centers: yes. mm-hmm. drop yeah. off, pick up, and delivery. The whole nine yards. And this other one, not to call it the stepchild because I'm sure it's very nice, okay. but yeah. it's not. It's not a full service laundry center. It's a stereotypical laundromat, but yeah. obviously a modernized laundromat. I want to go back for a minute. When you acquired each of these stores, and you can jump around if you want. I know there's a lot of people out there that are, you know, we always call them newbies in the industry. A lot of them are starting with a minimal budget, you know, not a lot of capital to invest. And those those zombie mats that we call them in the industry are are golden opportunities you know they're highly leverageable you can borrow against yep. you know to put equipment in the store things like that can you walk us through the process of each one of those and you know you share whatever you want whatever you're comfortable sharing you know financially but the process of you know borrowing money to add new equipment to the store and allowing that to build over a couple of years and then did you kind of rinse and repeat type of thing where you allow that's what we've done we call it stair stepping you know did a project of a 100, 150,000 borrowed most of the money, took the money from the growth, reinvested, took another step up the ladder, etc cetera, etc. Cetera. I think a lot of people are really intrigued by how people like you and us do that and I'd love to hear your side of kind of the nuts and bolts I know you're extremely hands on so I'm guessing you were in there doing a lot of the work yourself, maybe even installed your own equipment. What did that process look like for you
2: so the we'll start with the first store um, that one was um, we took some older equipment out of one of my dad's stores okay. that he, he had kept, but we knew it was quality stuff, you know, uh-huh. it was just end of life needed, you know, maybe a bearing job or something like that. So we did a bearing job on it, put it in and then called it good, but it was uh, better than what was there. Good. Right, are exactly. You were, you yeah. were making <laughs> an improvement. You might
1: not be, you know, earth shattering, but yeah, it was a yeah. step up.
2: It wasn't a top loader. It mm-hmm. was, you know, it was, you know, a sixty pound machine or, or something like that. You know, some sure. capacity there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so it, what we've done at that store is slowly stair stepped a little bit at a time. New dryers, six new washers, four new washers, and, and mm-hmm. so forth. You know, to slowly build that store up. Um, with it only being about two thousand square feet or so, it wasn't. Too, um, too scary, mm-hmm. so to speak, yep. to do a little bit at a time and, and kind of deal with what we had and, and, and so forth. Um, but what I found that in this unattended location has been the game changer for me is the uh, Hipsch Command app mm. on my phone, allowing me to resolve any possible issues with a customer right then and there. Say, hey, this machine isn't working, whatever. All right, fine, move it to the next machine and I can start it with my phone.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: you know so that i mean with an unattended store i am the attendant all the time my phone always rings it's it's me taking care of it right so that's your downside there um and i realized rather quickly that this isn't where i wanted to go moving forward so when we bought the building with mega wash we ended up deciding that it needed to be attended i wanted a, a different type mm-hmm. of laundry mat i wanted to do different things i wanted to do the wash dry fold i wanted to do pick up those things changed changed our game plan moving forward to that's now our model to move forward.
1: Mm-hmm. How so, long did it take you to figure out that the unattended um, self-serve model, um, which is a still a higher end model because you've injected technology and new equipment yeah. and things like that. How how long did it take you to figure out that wasn't what you wanted to do in the future? And what was the thought behind that? Because we traveled a similar journey uh, mentally, but I'm, I'm curious yeah. what the timeline was like and and what drove that thought. Was it just revenue? Was it you got tired of the calls? Uh, Some um, of both? <laughs> a little bit of both.
2: Um, the, the, the calls are constant you know no matter Mm -hmm. what um but the the better the equipment you have the the less calls you have obviously Mm -hmm. um i think that that plays a big part of it um confusion uh simplicity simplicity of the machines how Mm user-friendly they are i think that's Mm -hmm. another issue um there's a lot of factors that play into it but i realized that having my day job and trying to work and then answering all these phone calls during the day when we're busy Mm-hmm. doesn't always work out so well, you know, yeah. I mean, it detracts from a lot. Um, it it Growth-wise, revenue-wise, it, it's a great store um, because there's no labor. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. Just, yep. Some people are looking for that and that's fine.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but uh, I feel like you can have labor and have a better service if you can support the volume in order to mm-hmm. overcome your labor costs, you know. Mm-hmm. so.
0: Well, and two, if you add drop-off, then if they're processing exactly. the drop-off, you know, that income helps offset yes. the labor Matt. cost as so, well. So,
1: Matt, I know we're going to jump around here. I want to ask you a question because yeah. I think this gets uh, – I think the whole drop-off fully attended, even pickup and delivery model – You know, I think it's shifting, but there was a time, like I'll say it like that. There was a time where in the industry, if you had an unattended store, a big part of the attraction of that was, you you know, your labor, limited labor. Mm. Some of the negative was a hassle factor and things we've discussed. But then there was also a time in the industry and maybe this was around the time you got in the industry where a lot of people were saying, yeah, but if you go fully attended, you know, yeah, you can add drop off, but there's not much money there. Best you can hope for is to just to cover the labor, you know, and then you at least have an attended store. You don't get as many calls, but at the end of the day, you're not really making any more money. Yeah. That's not our experience. What's your experience like from the economics, not the specifics, but just, is it, is it just been a wash break even? And at least I don't get the calls now. Or uh, are these people that are sowing that narrative? And I'm not saying in some cases, it isn't accurate. um, But I think that's shifting a lot in our industry nowadays. What's been your experience?
2: I think it's shifting um, too. the, uh, it's interesting, because like I said, I've been in this, but haven't been in this for 30 years. Mm -hmm. so um watching what my dad was doing at his stores that were attended um it was always never a a thought to drive that further than to just take care of labor costs Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh in in his perception initially Uh, now things have changed today but you know back then that was the thought was that hey if we could do some wash dry fold we'll cover our labor costs and this store is as profitable as my unattended store Mm -hmm. okay um In in my experience, uh, if you're going to have a store that's attended, um, it's more profitable because you you still have to account for that labor one way or the other um, if you're doing that model. So if you're having these people bring in revenue, you've you've got uh, free labor, so to speak, Hmm. almost, and there's some profitability to that to a certain point. Um, And then I think once you scale it to enough where maybe you have two attendants, you still have to account for that labor and move forward that way.
3: Yeah. Um,
2: but it's um, it, it has definitely changed over the time that I've been around the, in, in the industry to where it is now, where people are actually like, we can actually make money doing this mm-hmm. and it is profitable. The um, the delivery side of it, I think is an interesting aspect that, that um, maybe isn't for everybody and that's mm-hmm. okay. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be, it's, uh, I think everything's going towards the Amazon idea of uh-huh. at our fingertips on full our phone. Full service. Full service. I don't yeah. want to deal with it. Whatever. You know, so as, as the industry evolves, I think that there's going to be more and more desire for that. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. as people understand what it is. I think in my area, Kansas City, it's, it's just starting to take off. Mm hmm.
0: We've yeah, had that we same issue. Clothes. I mean, in Cincinnati, people don't, they didn't even know that pickup and delivery laundry was a thing. Yeah. Like when we, when we started, everybody's like, oh, you're doing dry cleaning now? Mm-hmm. No, like regular laundry. The
1: they're <laughs> yeah. like, what? We don't understand.
0: <laughs> like socks and underwear? Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We have customers come into the store, they're like, what are you doing back there? Well, we're, we're processing clothes. And they're like, you do that? Yep. I don't have to do my clothes here. No, you don't have to. You, you can come pick it up and take care of it for you. Yep. Oh, well, that's interesting. You know, I mean, so yeah, e- even the people that walk in the door don't even understand that sometimes. Yeah.
0: What has your pickup and delivery journey been like? Like where did it start? How did you start?
2: Um, what it's been like, it's, uh, <laughs> it's <he> interesting. <laughs> it's, uh yeah.
1: I love it. I love
2: it. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's interesting. The, um, I really haven't been focusing on the residential side. Um, we have ozone at our stores mm-hmm. and um, I, I kind of gotten uh, a lucky little niche with some smoke remediation stuff mm. that uh, I think Dave and I talked about. Yep. And so what we ended up doing is we're doing a lot of work for companies that go into smoke damaged houses and, mm-hmm. and pull out their clothes. And then we, you know, restore them with our ozone system, pull that smoke smell out and
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, sanitize them and turn them back around and they're happy because they didn't have to buy all new clothes and it's an insurance thing. So,
0: yeah, that's awesome. We need to, we need to figure out how you manage that. We've tried, we've tried reaching out to like the smoke remediation and insurance companies and I've got nothing back.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's it's interesting. Um, It it all started because of our website. Um, One of the the customer that I'm talking about specifically, uh, she reached out through our website and Mm -hmm. saw that we had ozone and they knew what ozone was because Mm -hmm. they use it themselves. They just didn't have the processing ability to handle as much as what they're getting. Yeah. And so it was basically an overflow issue on their end that caused them to look for other ways to get their stuff done.
1: Were they just placing it in, a, in an ozone room? And, and maybe our audience doesn't know what that is. If that's the case, sure. do you, can you explain that real quick?
2: Yeah. So, so they had, in their case, what they used is they have ozone rooms for lockers. Uh-huh. And then they, they bundle everything in there and then they you know, pound it full of ozone and then that helps draw everything out. Um, They have a washer, one washer, (laughs) 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 and and one dryer, but uh, they said that the process on this chamber washer was about two and a half hours to wash one cycle. Wow. So us being able to take you know a thousand pounds of clothes and process it in a week and come back all folded, ready to go, hung up however they wanted it to be done, already had the labor already got the people already got the facility the machines ozone system in the water and boom it was done so they were very happy and so we've continued that relationship for quite a while now
1: that is awesome have you had it and we talked about that on some of our coaching calls for some of you that don't know matt's a coaching client of ours uh him and his his dad did attend our pickup and delivery workshop recently Mm -hmm. so he's he's full you know full speed ahead into this thing but i'm curious matt what uh, have you had any other luck obtaining other accounts because that's really what Carla was getting at mm-hmm. since our coaching call and I told you on that call I was like oh I'm taking this and running with it <laughs> uh, we've, we've updated our website put mm-hmm. you know strategic keywords things like that we have sent out some emails and stuff like that so far haven't hit on anything but as you and I talked about on that coaching call just hitting on one franchise for example can really be a game changer mm-hmm. for you have you yeah. had any luck obtaining accounts outside of that one where they reached out to you Any uh, advice to the audience for that? So
2: I've I've just recently started to feel comfortable enough that we can maybe handle some more. Okay. Because they've been giving us so much, it's been almost maxing my labor out. Mm.
0: Nice Uh, problem to uh, have. (laughs) Right.
2: Right. (laughs) So um, trying to put some of your implementation on scaling in and Mm -hmm. work that route in order to be able to handle more has been my process since the pickup and delivery workshop. Okay. And from that, I have just now started to feel comfortable that I've got enough people and enough hours time to actually mm-hmm. maybe handle a second one. So I just started reaching out about two weeks ago to a couple of them. Um, I haven't had any luck yet, but the one that I'm dealing with, it, it just seems like as soon as I think that they're not going to have something for me, they've got a ton of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's kind of a hard balance and mm-hmm. figure that out. But yep. but we're slowly getting there. Um, I do think that... Um, from that customer, she has recommended us to other people Mm -hmm. and given us some residential stuff and things
1: like that instead. So, you know, it's kind of an organic growth from, Mm -hmm. from, from it right now. Yeah, I've talked to a few people on the Facebook groups and stuff that have had moderate success reaching out to fire departments and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's yeah. something we're kind of poking around at too, for sure. Um, but yeah, very smart, very smart mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, excited for you, for sure. So let me ask you a question. When you talk about your unattended store and you talk about the fact that it has no labor. Yeah. Walk me through what that looks like. How, how does the store gets cleaned? Is it, Are these contractors? Do you just mean no W-2 sure. labor or yeah, are you cleaning yeah, no, it yourself? No.
2: Yeah, no, uh, no individual employed directly by me or, or my company. Okay. Um, I do have somebody that comes in and cleans. It's a, it's a contract mm-hmm. okay. and she just takes care of it, you know, multiple times and then it closes up at the end of the night. So gotcha. So awesome. that's how that one works. Um, so when I say no labor, there is labor, obviously. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the rest of the time it's me
1: <laughs> taking right. care of it. You fill in the gaps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Have you ever thought about offering drop off at that location or is the demographics not good? I don't think the demographics isn't isn't that small.
2: With the square footage, it's pretty maxed out. It would be really tough to have an office and all the other things and stuff like that or any kind of storage for them. Um, But with the pickup and delivery, you know, it's, it's interesting because then we could just offer it out of one centralized location in Kansas city. Mm -hmm. And I know that my labor is going to be there. Have staff there. Go pick stuff up. Bring it back to them and let them take care of it there. So, yep. um, at the six thousand square foot store, we've got plenty of uh, plenty of square footage for uh-huh. that stuff.
1: So, yeah. And for those of you listening, that that business model is often referred to as a hub and spoke type of model, yeah. where you basically act as a drop store. And mm-hmm. and I, I don't know the history for sure, but I think the dry cleaning industry kind of captured that. You know probably before we were born um of having what they call drop stores and obviously Mm -hmm. our retail laundromats can act as drop stores and it can justify the cost of labor even though you don't need much storage that's Mm -hmm. kind of what matt's referring to there um so you don't always have to have enough equipment or enough backroom storage space you can you can hub and spoke the model together and essentially what happens is you have five or six or seven different drop stores and you have your trucks your fleet of drivers that go out and yes they pick up laundry from customers homes and businesses and then while they're out as a part of the route they're picking up two three four hundred pounds from this location and this location and this location they bring them back to the production facility uh process the laundry where you have a lot more room turn it back around and it ends up just sitting on the shelf essentially what you're doing is you're acting as your own wholesale supplier if that makes sense um so just another another tip to share with everybody out there. That's something that can be really effective. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, we love to tell people, hey, when you think you can't do something, really what you're saying is you just haven't figured out the, the art of it yet. But there's a lot of times a way to do it. Where there's a will, there's a way, as they say, right? Mm
0: -hmm. So, Matt, I know you're a big proponent of adding more technology Mm -hmm. into your laundromats and just for people to add them more into the laundromat industry. What technology do you see as some of the greatest assets in stores, in your stores, and why?
2: Greatest asset in regard for me or for the user?
0: (laughs) What's the critical technology we need to add? That's a great so, point.
1: I appreciate you bringing that mm-hmm. up, because I think a lot of times we talk about it from one side of the aisle or the other, and mm-hmm. it, it misleads people unintentionally,
2: yeah, yeah. Um, I think it all depends on uh, what what you need for you mm-hmm. as to what would be your greatest asset. But then there's the other side for the customer, mm-hmm. which don't really necessarily coincide. So you've got something for the customer is, in my opinion, is ease of payment. There, there is an amazing amount of people who will gladly download an app, scan a machine and start it. Mm-hmm. Um, on my end, me being able to pick up my phone and see a report of how things are going today, how, what revenue is bringing in for my machines, you know, or how many upcharges they're getting from extra mo- cycle modifiers to all of that uh, is great analytics that allows me to make decis- decisions that I probably wouldn't be able to make if I was sitting there trying to count quarters.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I can go in today and say, hey, you know, my 135 pound machine ran 90 times last month. Okay. So it cost me this every time it turns. I made this amount of money. You know, is 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 this actually worthwhile or not? Maybe I've got a price too high. Maybe I got a price too low. I need I need to look at those things and figure out my costs and everything like mm-hmm. that. And, and then you know, just machine utilization too. Wow. I think that those are important tools for as a business owner, but for the customer, it has to be something that makes their life easier. The easier we make their life, the easier we make it for them to spend money and the easier it is for them to do those upcharges, the more revenue we make. So then that those are not necessarily coinciding things, but they are very different things that all that add to a package that you need to figure out for yourself. Like uh, Electrolux has an app on, on their mm-hmm. machines Called Laundry Pay, and I've gotten at my new store an app adoption rate of about sixty percent, which I think good. I get sixty percent of the people walking in the door is
1: downloading an app and wow. scan a machine to start. And that's in a fairly short period of time, right? Because you just opened. Yeah,
2: we, we've only been open for about uh, two and a half months.
1: Wow! Wow! So
2: um, it's it's pretty wild. The cool thing is, is that you know we explain to them how easy it is to use. And as soon as they explain to them how easy it is to use and the benefits that benefits them, they're like, oh, well, I'm not going to bring quarters to the laundromat anymore. I'm just going to mm-hmm. put my money on here. Well, then that, that also in turn gives, gives them loyalty for me mm-hmm. and they want to see it. They can be at their house and they can look on there and go, oh, there's 24 washers available. I guess I could go now. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. You know, stuff like that. Um,
0: Are you so, hybrid, though? Do you take coins as well or is yeah. it all?
2: Every okay. location takes coins, yes yeah, okay., uh, I don't want to alienate people at the same time. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel like that uh, there are some systems that are probably more owner friendly than user friendly. Mm-hmm. and that it has to be something that you decide whether or not you want to alienate those customers,
0: yeah. Do you do quarters or dollars?
2: um i'm getting ready to convert my unattended store to dollars yeah. uh, i was at quarters there Dave and i talked a lot about that We're moving it's forward. so
0: nice to not have to collect as often
1: <laughs>
2: yeah yeah so um and then i think it also makes it easier on the customer to
1: spend their money mm-hmm. a little bit so so let me ask you a question you've talked about how technology and some of the other things what was your uh when you were evolving and growing these stores from from zombie mats To modern what I call modernized laundromats. What were the economics like when you invested? You know, we you're on the Facebook groups. You see this all the time, right? People, I don't know if I can. I don't know if I could spend one hundred fifty thousand dollars on new equipment, so I'm going to spend fifty on used equipment. Whenever you've bought new equipment, has that has that been a good investment for you? What's the What's the thought process? And we're all unique and different. We're just trying to learn from you. Yeah. I'll I'll probably never
2: buy anything used unless I know where it came from. Like maybe possibly I don't want one of my dad's stores or something Mm -hmm. like that. You know, um, one, the the stuff only has a certain amount of life expectancy, Mm -hmm. um, at a certain point that, you know, the equipment's wore out and everything like that. And let's say you spend 50 cents on the dollar to buy some used equipment, or you could go out and finance some new stuff with Alliance, or Electrolux, or whoever you use doesn't wow. matter. Um, then you get tax write-offs on top of that. That mm-hmm. a lot of people seem to forget, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is is huge. Plus, you get you know efficiency. You get uh, possible, uh, well, the latest and greatest technology for one. You know, so you can see that these machines are slowly evolving. I come from the HVAC world, and everything is connected. Everything talks to each other. Mm-hmm. Everything is extremely efficient. Laundry mat equipment is just now starting to see <laughs> some of that efficiency and some of that connectivity together, finally, in the last mm-hmm. maybe 10 years or so. And it's still pretty far behind a lot of other industries, mm-hmm. in my
1: opinion. Agreed.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so I would want to be on the latest and greatest version of whatever machine that you're looking at, you know, for the connectivity. Uh, end of life cycle issues. Um, I know that um, <laughs> that like some equipment in, I purchased in 2017, Alliance then said the next year, well, we're no longer going to make that board for that one. So <laughs> that's great. Mm-hmm. You know. So I bought a machine because I didn't buy the latest and greatest. I bought the previous version. Mm-hmm. That was the end of that life cycle for that board. Mm-hmm. So now if that board goes bad, What's it going to cost me,
3: mm-hmm. you know?
2: And then warranties and all the other things and stuff like that. Um, I've never regretted buying any new equipment in any way, shape, or form. Um, customers like it. You're able to charge more. You're able to um, get those connectivity issues and stuff like that, like things I was talking about with the, you know, the hitch command app where you can actually remote start a machine or mm-hmm. even just change pricing on the fly or something like that. So I think there's a lot of advantages to having new equipment. Probably the biggest one is the connectivity the ease of use and um, you know just efficiency
1: as a mechanical you you fix a lot of your own equipment is that correct yeah I, okay yeah. As, as someone that's pulling off the the boards and the front panels and maybe even doing bearing jobs I know you mentioned you did at one point um, those types of things does does being boots on the ground and mechanical make you look at your equipment differently yeah, like, I would say so. Things, uh, do you see things in new equipment that other owners wouldn't see when they make comments like, uh, "All they care about is it washes their clothes and different things like that."
2: Well, um, so it, it's interesting. Um, I've got I've gone towards soft mounts at my new mm-hmm. store, yep. and uh, the ozone system and stuff like that. Mm. The soft mount commercial stuff is, is a lot different than what a lot of people initially told me when I first got into this.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, What were you told? I'm curious.
2: (laughs) It was all a problem. It was, you know, oh, it's just never going to last. It's not going to work very well, blah, 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 this other stuff, you know? And it it has been um, a game-changing differentiator between my stores and my competitors. Mm -hmm. Um, Customers say on, I mean, repetitively, that their clothes come out cleaner at my stores than anywhere else. Part of that is the high 450 G extract. Mm -hmm. And then the second part of that, you know, because you're extracting so much higher, you're pulling all that moisture and dirt out that you wouldn't at a 200 G machine. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: You spend less time in the dryer. Mm -hmm. So then, then we're able to turn over more customers quicker and they're only able to, they only needed about 20, 25 minutes to dry, maybe even less sometimes. And, Mm -hmm. The time savings for them is huge, and they're appreciative of it. They're willing to pay more to have that time back. Instead of spending two hours at the laundry. mat they're in and out in 45, they're happy.
0: So I was not aware. I know 400G is kind of like the new thing with, with washers and everything, but why is it only available on soft mount and not hard mount?
2: So the the basket has, mm-hmm. you know, uh, shocks and springs and, and full mm-hmm. suspension system in there, uh, allowing it to move.
0: Yeah, absorb as, all that spin. Yeah,
2: as it spins and, and it ramps up, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, you know, one of the things I, uh, I want to point out here, Matt, and you can elaborate as you wish, is I think one of the reasons that soft mount machines... In general, as a category, get a bad rap is because we're having two different conversations um, there's another category that that most of us are now kind of referring to as home style machines yeah they are the sure. the horizons and the maytag Neptunes and the yeah. and and those are technically soft mount machines, but they are not what I call commercial grade soft yeah. mount machines yeah
0: so how do you tell if it's a commercial grade soft mount? because the horizons they're made by it they're sold as commercial how do you tell if it's commercial grade soft mount versus a home so type soft mount
2: the, the biggest difference i think would probably be the door gasket system okay um, the door is on a what i think dave and i are referring to as a commercial uh, soft mount mm-hmm. the door is actually mounted to the tub side of everything Okay. versus like the horizon where the door is actually mounted and there's a gasket in between
0: mm-hmm.
2: for the actual tub. Mm-hmm. So there's this okay. gasket that actually holds here. And the door is actually mounted to the frame of the machine.
0: Okay. The difference
2: between where the door put door is actually placed. And I think mm-hmm. that's that's what we're talking about. It basically makes the biggest difference. And then the, the small home style ones are kind of limited to capacity of maybe like 20 pounds mm-hmm. or so. Um, I'm, I'm talking all the way up to like 135 pound
0: machines, you yeah. know,
2: so massive machines to 20 pound machines too, but but there is a difference.
0: Are soft mount cheaper too?
2: No,
1: they no? are. Are they more expensive? expensive? Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. Yeah, so so ultimately, for all of you listening out there, this is just Dave Dave pontificating for a minute here. But when it comes to equipment, we have the top loaders, pretty self explanatory, right? Mm-hmm then we have the home style machines which are technically soft mount machines so you may say you hate soft mount machines because you had a bad experience with what we're calling a home style machine
3: mm-hmm. those are
1: two different things those are the reason i call them home style is i think they're closer to a residential grade machine no offense to the manufacturers um, yeah. than a commercial, than a truly commercial grade machine those are the, those are two categories of what we call small chassis smaller capacity washers That may be used in a commercial setting meaning a retail setting in a laundromat they can be vended card coin whatever but that doesn't change the infrastructure right and then we get into what i call truly commercial which is commercial grade soft mount machines Which is what matt's talking about these are the electrolux the continental gerbao you know alliance makes those machines most of the manufacturers do and then there's the hard mount machines rigid mount machines is what we call them that don't have the shock absorbers and the things that matt was talking about so once again not here to tell you what to buy what not to buy just understand when you're having a conversation and maybe you're a newbie in the industry and you're going oh well i heard commercial or i heard uh soft mount machines are crap and you should never buy them It's like, well, there are people that feel real strongly about Mm -hmm. that, but they're actually talking about homestyle machines Mm -hmm. and they're not talking about truly what I call truly commercial grade machines. And I know the manufacturers and engineers get all worked up that it's all commercial equipment and I just respectfully disagree. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, hopefully that conversation helps people out a little bit. Matt actually has experience with both Mm -hmm. um, and he's very mechanical and he gets in there and works on his equipment and stuff. Mm -hmm. So. Thought it was a great conversation to have so let me ask you this as we wrap up today you've evolved through the industry in a very unique way so you started at five you know poking around with dad and being dad's helper and handing him screwdrivers and then you grew through your formative teenage years and you still were poking around and handing him screwdrivers and he probably helped let you help a little bit more Mm -hmm. and then you quote unquote left the industry but, you know, you were still, I'm sure, in the industry, because I know you're very close with your family. You were still around it. Then you jumped into the industry in zombie mat settings. And then now you operate what I would refer to, and this is just my opinion, modernized laundromats that are, I would consider you to be a top of the industry operator. Not that any of us have ever arrived, but I would <laughs> consider you that category of an operator and your facilities to be where you are. What sets you apart Like, what are the benefits? Because I hear so many people say, and I, I, you know, I used to believe some of this stuff, to be honest with you, you know, you, 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 this is overbuilt. You spent too much money and you'll never get your money back out of X. You know, I see those, I don't think it's a secret what my opinions are. What are your opinions? So anything that I can do to be different
2: than the guy down the street and add value to the customer, I think is, is what sets any of us apart. Uh, There is plenty of zombie mats around me already, still, even from the locations that I've rehabbed. And what sets me apart from those locations is trying to have, you know, the amenities that the customers want. Something different than than the guy down the street. At the end of the day, we're, we're providing a... Trash can that spins water and throws out some clothes, you know? Right? I
0: mean, sounds it's, it's fancy. Not,
1: yeah, right? There, to do, now so. the manufacturers are really upset with Yeah, they're side. really happy. Yeah. yeah. Now it's a so. trash can.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so, anyways why is my trash can better than the guy's trash can down the street? You know, what is it that I have that he doesn't have? Or what is it that I can have that he doesn't have? So trying to differentiate myself in, in an experience and a value for each and every customer has to be something that I, I'm looking for constantly to try to make their experience better, to give them better value back. And that's why they choose me and choose to come to my store versus the guy down the street. Mm-hmm. Can so, you
1: have in your experience, can you charge more for that? Oh, definitely.
2: Definitely. Yeah. Um, I would say on average, I'm probably 30 to 40% higher Venn price on every single machine than my competitors. Good for you. In, in, in every area.
0: Just real quick, can you kind of list off what you would consider your key differentiators between you and your competition?
2: Um, okay. The key differentiators um, between myself and the competition is the ozone systems, Um, having the ability to say that our washers are sanitized, your clothes are sanitized, and that it removes those smells. I think that's huge. Um, The next differentiator is touchscreen machines, um, user-friendly. I think that that really plays a big part. And then uh, 450G machines, soft mount machines, make another big difference. that the extraction process you know once again gets clothes cleaner and makes them spend less time in the store which is you know allows me more turns per day
0: well and allows them more of their day, <laughs>
1: yeah, more of their day. that's right yeah yeah right. people people have this uh you know infamous quote of there's nothing people like better than free and i always say that's that's actually not true they like fast better than free because uh, well, that's
0: free yeah. time that's
1: right that's right yep <laughs> So the the old adage of nobody, you know, everybody likes everything better than free assumes that they have unlimited time but limited money. And in our society today, Mm -hmm. that's flipped in a lot of cases, Mm -hmm. certainly not everybody. People value their time more than their money in many, many cases, especially when you can bring tremendous value. All right, so, so I'm gonna throw
0: out up. I'm Go gonna ahead. throw out something that mm-hmm. I know about Matt just because um, of our conference and everything, and we got to talk. So it is Matt, very. Just so is, you guys
1: know, Matt and his dad came to our <laughs> pickup and delivery workshop in Cincinnati. It was a blast. We had so much fun. Mm-hmm. He's been a coaching client of ours for a while now, but the truth is, Matt and Carla got to be buddies
0: at the workshop. Well, <laughs> he got stuck <laughs> by me at dinner, and I talk a lot, and <laughs> but. is not amazing enough with a full-time HVAC job and owning now four laundromats, and you're a dad. During COVID, you picked up another business and also have trained for uh, bodybuilding competitions. Can you share a little bit about (laughs) that?
2: (laughs) Yeah, sure, sure. Um, So let's see. Um, uh, Right before the world shut down for COVID, uh, my wife and I were opening up a Hotworks fitness studio. And what that is is it's a twenty four hour infrared fitness studio where you do a workout inside a sauna at one hundred twenty five degrees <gasps> with a that virtual Sounds horrible. Sensor. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's awesome, but not for me. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. It, it, it's uh, it, it's not like the typical sauna. Typical sauna is one hundred eighty degrees. It's not infrared, so this is a lot lower heat. Um, yeah, but uh, it does feel really good. It feels like the sun.
0: Um, oh nice.
2: But uh it's uh, it's a good way to sweat and, and get some infrared you know benefits. Yeah uh, my wife Cleanse. handles those. We have two of those <laughs> four, two of those fitness studios here in Kansas City. Um she she pretty much runs those and I take care of the long outside.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and then uh as far as a uh, bodybuilding show, yeah, I did that um about a year ago uh November. So mm-hmm. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun. It was something I planned to do after I turned forty, and uh, you know, wanted to try it out and and spent you know a good amount of time dedicated to working out and eating right and, and stepped on
1: stage. It was it was a lot of fun.
0: That is awesome. Very cool. You have to be so disciplined. (laughs) All
1: right. Well, listen, we want to end this episode today, but I have a couple more quick questions for you if you have a couple minutes. So Carla talked about the COVID things and the hot works and all this. I wanted to hit this angle because I think it's really powerful. You told us that at one point before, let's call it pre-COVID, you and your wife were kind of tired of laundromats and that's what led you into the fitness studios. Yeah. And then the country shut down. Yeah. They wouldn't give you your licenses for the fitness studios. Now you have them open. So now you have them both. And what you learned is when laundromats were deemed essential, and then you started to learn more about the modernization of the industry and technology and how to separate yourself. And I'm putting a few words in your mouth here. It shifted your mentality about your laundromat business. And from my perspective, it seems like, and I haven't known you that long, but it seems like it kind of flipped the script and caused you to behave differently, make different decisions, and you've gotten different results. Is that a fair, fair assessment? And walk us through that, because I think that's powerful stuff.
2: Yeah, it was, it was, uh, I think everybody was scared at that point in time, you know, Um, when everything shut down, we were like, what is going to happen? You know, I mean, um, I know that basically my wife and I were sitting at home going, what are we going to do? How, how, how is this going to work? And if we hadn't had the laundromats to help support us that were uh, you know deemed essential that stayed open, we probably wouldn't be able to have made it through that first fitness studio that we opened because uh, we had to make the payment somehow. And yeah. it wasn't coming in because they wouldn't let us open. <laughs> yeah. so, um, it made us look at those uh, businesses in a different light. And in turn, during that time, Um, I made the decision to move forward and trying to, like you say, modernize them, try to Mm -hmm. try to come up with other ways and things that, that we could do in order to make them more profitable and easier for us Mm -hmm. to live with day in, day out. Um, They are a lot of work. I think everybody knows that. This Mm -hmm. isn't for some completely hands-off type of person. I mean, this, this lifestyle doesn't work that way, Mm -hmm. Um, but it did, allow us to look at things differently. And then that that kind of forced us to really evaluate the ozone because I was looking at that prior to COVID. Um, But as soon as the COVID happened, I'm like, I should have had this a long time ago and moving forward, everybody else has changed their mentality on sanitization and on cleanliness and, and so forth. I think that, um, that then, you know, funneled us into other ways to to come up with other options for people to not handle money, which was the app pay, mm-hmm. which was you know less less overall um, points of contact. Yeah, yeah, yeah points yeah. of contact. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, less less interchange.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So any of those kinds of things that we could do that, to help our customers and make them feel safer, make them feel more um, clean. You know, I mean, the laundromat is supposed to feel clean. You're supposed to feel clean after you leave the laundromat, not, not dingy and dirty like <laughs> other places, you know. Um, so, you know, anything we can do to do that. Um, and we just kind of focused on it and reevaluated what we wanted to do and, and the value it was to us as well.
1: Yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> well, thank you for sharing that with us. I thought that was worth adding in here because I know that, you know, anyone that's in any industry long enough, there's going to become times when maybe we're not disenfranchised, or maybe we are, but we're at least just down, you know, words like burnout, bored, mm-hmm. I've done everything there is to do, those types of things. Um, You know, I, I feel like there's, I don't know how many people watch the show, but there's people out there in our industry that have golden opportunities right below their feet so that they actually own. And if they were just make pivots i'm not saying drastic changes but small pivots and continue to do what they've done for maybe 20 or 30 years but just pivot 10 15 20 percent one or two times over the course of the next three or five years i think they might find that they fall completely in love with a completely different industry because i'm not sure that i ever reach burnout i've always loved the industry But as I evolved from the different phases of the industry to where we are now, I've definitely found a different level of passion Mm -hmm. that was even more so than I knew before. So as you find a different business model and a different value prop and a different industry and, yes, different revenue streams and different margins, you all of a sudden start to fall back in love or more in love with a business that maybe you once loved or you once liked. So I like that's part of the reason we do this show and do our workshops and things like that is to just to show people a different version of the same industry. Well, listen, man, thank you so much for sharing the story and your journey with us. I know I know our audience is going to get a lot out of this. One last question for we maybe two last questions for we go today? No, maybe three. No. <laughs> so so one of them is if you could go back to 2016 and I know you have a little bit of an advantage because of your dad and everything, if you can go back 2016 and do things differently in 2016, what would you do differently? And I know I probably, I'm putting you on the spot yeah. there.
2: No, 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 that's, that's a good question. Um, with the first store, I think I would have invested more on aesthetics than I did initially. Okay. Um, I, I could have made the place look a lot nicer. Um, with a few things, you know, like the epoxy floors and, and stuff mm-hmm. like that, stuff that that doesn't really necessarily need to be redone every so often, but
3: mm-hmm.
2: but but adds value and and adds some um, aesthetics to the to the building and stuff like that, or the, the space, so to speak, mm-hmm. for the customers. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I've seen than, your new store. You're doing that now. Yeah. <laughs> that new yeah. store is nice. Thanks,
2: thanks. Yeah. Now it's uh, it's a few things like that. You know, there, there's there's always something that you look back and go. Ah, hindsight 20, is 20, and I should have done this, you know. Um, probably the other side of that too would be invest a little bit more in the equipment right off the bat, uh, instead of maybe doing it quite as phased as I did.
3: Mm. Uh, I hear a lot very, of people say that.
1: That's, that's very interesting to me because we actually fall into that category. I mean, yeah. you just don't, you don't know, right? I mean, it's terrifying to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, you know, I have coaching clients even who trust me with credibility and things like that. And they're like, Dave tell me I'm going to get this money back this is crazy (laughs) how am I going to get this back one dollar at a time this is nuts right all right well listen Matt thanks for taking the time to share your story with us today my only one last one thing for you is hey if people want to reach out to you how can they do so
2: um I'm on pretty much all of the uh Facebook forums Uh, okay Matt Hilton or Matthew Hilton on there um that'd probably be the best way to just DM me on there something like that
1: okay okay Awesome. awesome all right well listen man Thanks for joining us today. Obviously, we already know you pretty well, but it's been fun getting to know you a little bit better and spending a little time with you. For everyone back home, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Laundromat Millionaire Show. We'll see you in a few weeks for another one. Take care, everyone. Thank you.